Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast, The Towel in the Basin. My name is Jamie Dew, uh, host of the podcast. And um, as you are well aware so far as we've launched this series, this is this whole series is about helping you as a Bible reader just pick up your Bible, make better sense out of it, be able to read it more accurately, discern its meaning, and all of those types of things. That's what we're trying to do here is I've had a bunch of my colleagues and friends in the studio with me talking about these things. Um, I am delighted today to have in the studio once again my good friend Ethan Jones. Ethan, good to have you here. Thank you, Jamie. And uh, thank you for the other podcast we've already done. I'm excited to talk about this one because it's at least, uh, whereas I said in the last podcast that you know, the Old Testament just is a little harder to read. It's a little harder to navigate and get your hands around and certainly at times to preach. Uh, there is a part of it that's crazy popular, mm-hmm. and rightly so, mm-hmm. the Psalms. Yeah. And I know the Psalms are a passion of yours, and so yeah. I look forward to just hanging out and talking about this. So just broadly, real quick, uh, let me introduce Ethan. If uh, if you're not familiar with who he is, Ethan is a professor of Old Testament and Hebrew here at NOBTS and Level College, and um, is just really, really both gifted and uh, the quality of his person is exactly who it would need to be. I often, I don't know if you know this or not, I know you've heard me talk about this, but I often hold you up as an example when I talk about this, that for me to hire a faculty member here, they have to, you know, the, the resume has to look impressive, and yours certainly did and does. But they ha- once I get to interview stage, I'm not looking at that stuff anymore. Mm-hmm. I want to know one simple thing, and that is, would I have a cheeseburger with this person? Are you the kind of person that I'd go hang out with and just eat a cheeseburger? And that was very obvious to me the very first moment we had uh, some time together. Yeah. Uh, you are the right kind of person. I'm grateful for you and your family. And uh, he has a wife, Emily. How long have you been married? 16 years, man. 16 years. Yeah. They have two beautiful boys, Amos and Ezra. Yeah. How old's Ezra now? Ezra is one going on, uh, yeah, yeah, soon to be two. Soon to be two. Soon and then Amos is how old? Six. Yeah. Six years old. He'll be seven in January, man. <laughs> That's They're great. Fun. That's great, great man. kids. He's both of them are hilarious. They now are. that Ezra's personality is good. Yeah, they're they're funny, fun, and and yeah. reasonably obedient. Too. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Well, that gets a little bit better, Lord willing, every yeah. time. Yeah. So, all right, let's talk about the Psalms. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm I'm really excited about this one. Uh, this has been one of my favorite ones leading up to that we've had. Uh, just talks big picture about the Psalms in general. Yeah. There's 150 of them. Yeah, and. There's lots of different ones, but we'll talk about the different kinds of them here in a minute. But just talk to me about big picture of the Psalms in general. How are they put together? Yeah, big picture uh, put on, put into five books, okay. uh, likely somehow as a nod, a nudge uh, to, uh, hey, you remember the Pentateuch, those first five uh, books? There you go. Uh, that, that this is somehow meant to be instructive uh, for the reader, the listener, the mm-hmm. singers that are going to pick up this text. And that's also reflected in the first Psalm that opens up where you're learning about who should be reading this. What are you going to do in this book? You're going to be someone who doesn't walk in the counsel of wicked, but what should you do? You should meditate. Your delight should be on the instruction of the Lord. Mm. And that's not a narrow necessarily instruction of like, let's just go to Exodus 20, Ten Commandments. Of course, that would be right. an ideal. Uh, but also all the text, all the words that flow from the Lord, those are our instructions. So when you pick up the book of Psalms, broken in five books, um, and it's going to be instructive all the way through. Mm. First three books are primarily this this kind of psalm called Lament. Mm. So 
there's some problem in the psalmist's life yeah. or the congregation at large, and they're calling on God to do something about it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they're lamenting that fact, but they're asking God to resolve it in a very specific way. And they exhibit some degree of trust, whether it's singing, whether it's offering sacrifice, or whether it's saying, we trust you, God, you are our yeah. refuge. The next two books uh, are going to start moving towards uh, praise. Mm. They're, they're going to be moving towards God as king. Uh, book four is often called the theological heart of the Psalms, okay. where you get over and over and again, uh, God is king, Yahweh is king. Mm. He will rule, he will reign, he will come to judge the earth and its inhabitants. Uh, over and over and over again to establish, to reestablish the fact that this is who God is. This is who the world is. This is who Israel is. And then, as many people know, you're ending book five, let everything that has breath mm-hmm. praise the Lord. So it's it's those last five psalms that are serving as kind of this, this benediction, this doxology. Mm-hmm. This is what we sh- should all do. We should praise. Yeah. Uh, life is filled with moments other than praise, right? But it's eventually lead, it should lead to praise. And it's a it's a wonderful movement of people so, sometimes talk about the life of Israel. I think there's some truth to that. But it's also just the movement of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so that may have historical realities for Israel, but it's just us too. Of we are typically moving from lament to praise in some form or fashion. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's a little bit about how it's put together and yeah. the movement. Um, I want to talk about just uh, those first three books. Yeah. And you talked about Psalms of Lament, there's some problem. Let me give you the – those are the psalms for me personally just that have meant the world to me. Yeah. I would argue actually that it's those kinds of psalms and even the perspective of the psalmists in those psalms that frankly kind of saved my faith. Yeah. And here's what I mean by that. I've, you know, it's pretty, I talk about this a lot that in my my entire academic career, this whole part of my life was born out of seasons of doubt and struggle. Yeah. I've always been the kind of guy, I still am, that always wonders about this, that, or the other. I'll get a little bee in my bonnet, like, that doesn't make any sense that we say it this way. Why would we say it that way? And then I got to hammer it through and all those things. And mm-hmm. nobody get freaked out. I'm not having a crisis of faith or anything. Yeah. But I have had two pretty substantial seasons where it was, um, if not a crisis of faith, it was a borderline crisis of faith where I was genuinely struggling with my faith. And at the time, I didn't quite, couldn't quite put my finger on it, couldn't quite really make sense out of it. But here's now, you know, you can always see things so much more clearly in hindsight. Yeah. Looking back on it, here's what I figured out about myself. And here's what I figured out about those seasons of doubt and struggle. I don't do well when our faith is nothing more than cliches, bumper stickers, and very fake, and you're not allowed to ask hard questions and people bristle at that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I wasn't settled. I was struggling. And it felt to me and it seemed to me that most of the Christians I knew and the kind of Christianity I was most familiar with is that you were not supposed to have that. Yeah, yeah. And frankly, if that had been true, that as a Christian, you're not allowed to have a question, you're not allowed to struggle, you're not allowed to wonder about something, you're not allowed to wrestle with something, then I don't know that I'd have made it, to be honest with you. Yeah. But when I went to the New Testament, you find these passages, the John 11s, where they are just, Lord, where were you? And then, in particular, when I went to the Psalms, mm-hmm. man, the Psalms are not that way. Yeah. The Psalms were raw mm-hmm. and they were honest, 
and there was nothing plastic or artificial about their faith. I mean, when they struggled, they acknowledged it to God, mm-hmm. and He did not rebuke them for it. it. You know, and I, as I read the psalmist, I found people, brothers and sisters, that had had those same kinds of questions mm-hmm. and pains and wonders and things like that. And what I could see there is a freedom to to wonder and ask and to struggle a bit. And then at the same time, in a, coming on the heels of that honest rawness, so to speak, um, there was always a resolve. Mm-hmm. It always resolved in some kind of confidence in God or hope in God mm-hmm. or deliverance in God. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that that was so life-giving to me. Yeah. Amen. To Praise God. That. Praise yeah. God. Uh, and I, I think you're just a testimony of, of many that's exactly what they're supposed to do. That's mm-hmm. exactly what they're supposed to do. And we're at a real strange moment in, in culture right now, in church culture, where um, doubt is being glorified, mm-hmm. but there's also, the I think, the long-standing trend in, yeah. in, in our evangelical circles of doubt is vilified. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the excesses are just completely unhelpful. Yeah. Right? That's right. Um, that when we read psalms it is anything but plastic right and there's lamenting because they have a physical enemy there's lamenting because they're being slandered there is lamenting because there is health issues there's lamenting because the psalmist looks around and sees the wicked mm-hmm. the evil people who say there is no god right. they're doing really well right really well he's, yeah. and he's what is this for? Yeah, how does this work? What is this for? And he he gives that to God. Yeah. And what I love about the laments in particular is that they they remind me to pay attention. Mm. They remind me to pay attention to life because I think unintentionally church can move my attention away from being attentive to life. Right. Right. So if we're always praising, right? If everything's always upbeat, right? If you always walk into church and mm-hmm. it's always, you know, hitting the one and five chord, uh, you know that that, and everybody's just clapping their hands with joy, that is good. Yeah. But if it's my only appetite, if it's right. my only diet, then that is un. I think unintentional. I don't think anybody would do this on purpose. Right. It's unintentionally telling me who has doubt, who has struggle, who has. So, so pain, pain. Yeah. yeah, that like we'll get it together. Yeah, work it out, grit right. it out, and be fine. That's what it is to have faith. And the psalm say, "No, no, that's right. Don't grit it out. Hand this to God. Yeah, hand it to God. Tell God what's going on. Yeah, we know He already knows theologically, right? But there's something about the giving it over. Yeah, Ver- yeah. verbally, oftentimes like out loud, give it over yeah. to God." And trust that he hears. That's a major theological point of trust. Mm-hmm. And that he can do something about it. And trust in the sovereign wisdom of God. Right. That he's not my, uh, I always talk about with my students, he's, he's not my gumball machine. Mm-hmm. Like my prayer is not my quarter and I turn it. <laughs> right. That, that's, a, that's a very ancient Near Eastern view of religion. Right. I, right. I do this, I get this out. Mm-hmm. We, we believe in the God who created the heavens and the earth. Like we are creatures, he is creator. So in our prayers of trust, we exude trust, we we express trust, but still it's it's God who chooses to answer how God chooses to answer. Right. 
And even in the waiting, there's there's the opportunity for trust and faith. But if if all of our prayers are simply thank you Jesus, thank you Jesus, or praying for you know just Aunt Betsy's left hip, then our understanding of who God is and our awareness of this life, I think, is very small, very yeah. truncated. Um, and, and I think it, at a very visceral level, like we know life is way more harsh and difficult than yeah. that, right? Right. But I think we just need to do better as as fellow followers of Christ, as, as preachers, teachers, uh, seminary profs, whatever, to be okay. To, to tell people like, hey, I, I know that this is hard. Mm-hmm. Not that like your midterm exam is hard, right. but um, life. Life. Life is genuinely hard. We, we, we lose family members. We, we witness divorce. We, uh, we are slandered, whatever the case may be. Um, that, that should weigh mm-hmm. on you a little bit, but, but also don't just huddle up and talk about it amongst yourselves. Right. We have the living God who is waiting to hear our prayers. Um, yeah, so it just it's just so instructive. And I, I'm, I'm just encouraged just hearing how that's worked yeah. out in your life. Are you a ministry wife? Do you long for community and encouragement from like-minded women? Do you wish you were more prepared for all that you do? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I'd love to invite you to join Thrive. This is our Ministry Wives Certificate program that prepares women for gospel ministry in their families, churches, and communities. Our eight-week classes can be taken on our New Orleans campus or online. You just choose whatever fits your schedule best. For more information or to apply, visit prepareher.com thrive. You said something uh, I've never quite maybe categorized. You just captured the moment we're in very well a minute ago. You said that our culture, we're in this moment where we either glorify doubt, which is not a healthy thing to do, or we vilify those who have questions, concerns, and doubts and struggles, and neither one of these are healthy. Well said. The Psalms really do provide for us a biblical, spiritually healthy way to navigate through hurts, pains, sorrows, and yes, at times, even doubts. So let's talk about the, what a believer does this. How, yeah, yeah. What, what's the diet in their Bible intake, reading the, reading the scriptures? Where do the Psalms fit in this? What do individual people do with the Psalms? Yeah, I've seen so many people do different things. Uh, one is to just, it's easy to tag on a Psalm every day to whatever your Bible reading is. Yeah. I mean, with the exception of maybe Psalm 119 yeah. and um, there's a couple others that are pretty long. You can take on a psalm, just a one read through in a minute, two minutes. Yeah. I mean, you're not talking about adding a lot to your day. Yeah. So I think that's a very easy way to just get them in. Uh, the other is to say for a season, I'm just going to read through the book of Psalms, maybe once, maybe twice. Yeah. Um, one, two, three psalms a day would be would be a good place to start. I think there are times where if you can read through more and just kind of hear all the language. So you're not going to go in and study every line of every psalm, right? Mm-hmm. But you're just going to read them through and be instructed by them, uh, and then maybe return to one to just kind of meditate on that day. Yeah, uh, I, I think that that's helpful too. So just a number of ways, just get them in. 
but don't dodge them, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, don't just go to your favorite. So for most Christians, go to Psalm 23. I love Psalm 23. Fantastic, yep. Oddly enough, not really quoted in the New Testament. And yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of Psalms are, but that one's not. And it, yeah. it's just a weird kind of way that, that um, we've received the Psalms a bit differently than the New Testament has. Um, but another big thing for me in terms of reading is read the whole Psalm. Yeah. Uh, so if you are going to read them, even if you say, I'm just doing one a day, that's fine. Uh, just read the entirety of it because a lot of times we uh, uh, we censor the mm-hmm. Psalms. Uh, so there's there's one in particular that talks about uh, I'm fearfully and wonderful made. We know that. We put yeah. T-shirts, bumper stickers, all that, right? And it's great, true, lovely. Uh, but there's a lot in that Psalm that uh, you may not necessarily have your children's ministry memorize. Mm. Um, not to say that we should or should not have, have them do that, but that's just what it is. Yeah. It's very graphic language about death and killing and things like that. Yeah. Um, so don't unintentionally create a psalm within a psalm uh, and then lift it out. Um, you don't actually need a lot of context to read psalms, which is different hmm. uh, than, say, if you're reading historical narrative or something like that or or even uh, Ephesians, you kind of got to know at least a little bit about what's going on in yeah. history there. With Psalms, most of them seem to be written with with the user in mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's probably not the best best phrasing, but uh, with, with the, the, reader. Sing, the yeah. reader in mind. Um, so you don't have to go dig a lot of like, when exactly was this written? It's all on the page. It's very generalized, yeah. right? So it could say Philistine or Ammonite or Amalekite, but it just says enemy. Why is that? It, it seems to be that it's, to give give to us uh, the, the hmm. generations of those who trust in the Lord God Himself, to pray out, to memorize, to be yeah. instructed on. Um, so we don't have to be overly fussy about the extra homework we need to do. Hmm. There is more study that can happen. Sure, I'll come to my classes, that kind of thing, <laughs> right? But it, it's most of us right there for you. Right. Just read at least the entirety of one psalm when you read. That okay. would be my biggest suggestion. Yeah. All right. Now, how about in the church? Church reading the psalms um, is that something that you know handy to do on a Sunday morning? What do you think? Yes, and amen. Um, uh, I, I'm I'm so grateful to Emmanuel Community Church, my home church here. Uh, they begin every service by uh, a pastor reading out uh, a psalm. And we're just actually working through the Psalter for the most part right now. And then also we are reciting a psalm as a congregation. So we mm-hmm. just wrapped up Psalm 1. I think we we're on that for three months. And now we're on Psalm 13. Is the goal there to memorize it, I guess? Yes. As you're doing it? Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, so reciting in our small groups as well as yeah. practice. So everybody should have Psalm 1 down. Um, we will be checked, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, and now we just started Psalm 13, which is okay. which is how long, O Lord? How long? Yeah, how long? Yeah. Oh, right. So we're, we're yeah. going into uh, the depths of lament there. Uh, so I think some things like that, I mean, just getting in front of your people, it doesn't have to beautifully tie into the sermon that's going to happen, right. Uh, right? It doesn't have to be a big song and dance of just, here's the word of the Lord. Yeah, and, that's right. And just let it kind of do some work. And if you're also preaching on Revelation or Matthew or whatever, that's okay. Yeah. Um, just putting the scripture in front of the people. Uh, and I think one of the things that we just got to do a better job of, Jamie, is just making things normal, yeah. right? Just just making it normal to, to just read and hear and think about the Bible mm-hmm. and, and not, not being, uh, I mean, I think what, one of your favorite phrases is eggheads, right? Not being eggheads about yeah. it. I certainly don't want, want to go that route, but just 
we can just stand a heavier diet of of Bible. When I say Bible, I mean just actual Bible. Like yeah. no commentary, no uh, no little point we're going to pontificate, but just here's Psalm one. I'm going to read it. Got there it. There it is. You yeah. got it. And I mean, I just I'm watching my kids right now. I, I think especially my six year old that when he can just randomly pop out Psalm one. And and by the way, the last bit of that that psalm is talking about the way the wicked perishes, right? So it's not some safe little psalm that says, go memorize your Bible more. Sometimes mm-hmm. we take it like that, right? Meditate on his word and such, but it ends with destruction. Yeah. And that's a gritty That's a gritty psalm. I haven't necessarily majored on that with him right now at six right. years old. We've talked about these things of judgment and, and God, but they they kind of stay on your brain. If you, if you hear them long enough, you're like, oh, okay, so God's like that. He's yeah. He's perfect. He's holy. We're instructed by him. And also he's a judge. Okay. And they just work on your heart a bit, work on your mind as well. And yeah. I think just put them in front of the people often and always right. uh, is a good thing. So many creative ways to do that. I don't think it has to be stale or rote um, or anything like that, but it doesn't also have to be a song and dance with it either. Yeah. Well, to tie this in with the last podcast that we did, whereas we talked about these large narratives that mm-hmm. are at times admittedly, it's a lot to get your hands around the whole yeah. thing. This is just a ready to go bite size. Yes. Here. Yes. Let this just wash over you. Yes. And something that can be used that way. That's yes good. and amen. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Appreciate you, bro. Yeah, man. Great for you. Yeah, thanks, Jamie. Hey everybody, this is Jamie and Joe again. If you like this podcast, would you leave us a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts? That helps other people find it. And if you have any questions, we'd love to hear about them. Just go to jamiedo.com slash questions and send them in that way. And we'll take a look at the most frequently asked questions and give them a shot.